0: Hi, me again, and part twenty-three of our series on Paul's Letter to the Romans. Chapter 15 this week, and we're gonna do the whole chapter. And I said last week that the start of this chapter really is a summary of what Paul has been teaching in chapter 14 on strong and weak Christians and this is about how he shows his concern for both. But the rest of the chapter, and we did mention some of this in back in week one in the last century, uh, it, it's a bit of a ragbag, to be honest. He's coming to the end of the letter. He said most of the stuff he wants to say. But there are two more pairs of contrasts that he deals with. So as we look at this chapter, and I've called this week Paul's passion, um, his passion for both strong and weak Christians, that that both of them behave properly and please God uh, in the way they behave, but also in their attitudes to one another. Secondly, a passion for both Jews and Gentiles, And thirdly, a passion for both nurture and evangelism. So that's where we're going this week. And just to recap very quickly on last week, because that's where Paul starts today. Some Christians, he said, have lots of scruples, mostly to do with diet and diary and mature Christians are the ones who realise that in Christ we've been set free from any kind of legalism whatsoever. But it's the weak, weaker Christians who have problems, whether that's to do with what they eat or drink. And also what they can and can't do on Sundays. There'll be lots of other things, but they're the key things that Paul picks up. And certainly in my Christian experience, they uh, have been key items today as well. And Paul's argument from chapter 14 is summed up in fifteen one: The strong must bear with the weak the responsibility for behaving well in these situations lies with the strong and not the weak and whatever we do we do it not to please ourselves but in order to care for others and if you want an example of how to do that says paul just look at christ the the one we all follow who lived his entire life for the good of others and not for himself. Now, in brackets, it's worth making the point that acting for the good of others isn't being nice to them all the time and giving them everything they want. It's about doing what will do them good, uh, if you like, what they need rather than what they want. And uh, just this week I've been in conversation with a friend um, and his daughter is a relatively newly ordained curate in the Church of England and we were talking about some of the petty battles going on in the church. Uh, Things like which tune to sing a hymn to and a preacher turning up and saying, I'm I'm not going to be able to preach at that service if we don't have the tune I like to that hymn and uh, we we're saying quite proudly that she actually stood up to them and uh, we were saying that there's so much goes on in churches which is behaving like children and we need to help them grow up and every parent knows that you don't help your children grow up by giving them everything they want all the time, but rather by uh, giving them what they need to set that kind of behaviour behind them. And of course, when we do that, like Jesus, we get the reproach of others. Nobody likes being uh, confronted in that way. They killed him for it. And we see lots of clergy break down or get bullied out, uh, myself included, because they try and call out behaviour which toddlers shouldn't get away with. And so you need, says Paul, endurance. You need to hang on in there in spite of all that they throw at you. Or, uh, Paul doesn't say this, but I would alternatively shake the dust off your feet and go to where people do want to grow up Uh, there is a uh, a place i believe for walking away from those kind of battles but to develop that kind of steadfast endurance paul says we need to immerse ourselves in scripture because that's where we get to know more and more what god wants and that's where we Uh, become more and more like him so our job as christians is to act always towards others in ways that are good for them and not put any stumbling blocks in their way anyway that's what paul has been saying in chapter 14 and he just amplifies it slightly here as he rounds off that that bit of teaching but now he moves on to another subject one which we've said has been running like a thread all the way through the letter, and that's the relationship between Jews and Gentiles. And we reminded ourselves last week of uh, what we said way back in uh, part one about the particular dynamics of the Roman church, which began Jewish, then was exclusively Gentile, and then Jews returned, and and there was a mixture. And that mixture wasn't without its tension. And we've seen that tension through most of the letter, and Paul returns to it for the last time here. And again, he points to the example of Jesus as their inspiration. He became a Jew in order to win the Gentiles. That's the point. If you Jewish Christians, you need to realise that like your master, you are here because God has called you to bring the Gentiles to him. And if you don't like that, then for goodness sake, look again at your own scriptures. And Paul launches off in what we have uh, called earlier a catena, a string of texts from uh, our Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures. And as Paul tends to, he quotes from all three sections of the Hebrew Bible, the law, Deuteronomy, the prophets, Isaiah, and the writings, Psalms. And the whole point of being a Jew, according to the Old Testament, is to help Gentiles to the place of praising God alongside them. That's there throughout the Old Testament, and the Jews had so often missed it and had uh, become an exclusive sect and, and looked down on the Gentiles, called them dogs, etc. And Paul says, You need to remember that that's what your calling is and so he prays for them in verse 13 that the Holy Spirit will enable them to do just that and uh, that's true for both races and I guess this little section is a bit of a counterbalance to chapters 9 to 11 which you'll remember uh, was about Paul's passion for the Jews, his own people. Each of those uh, chapters began with a, a sort of emotional outburst from Paul. <coughs> Excuse me about his uh, passion for the Jews, but so here he shows his passion for the Gentiles too to find the one true God. So strong and weak, Jew and Gentile, and the third section, and and we did look at this in week one, is about Paul's passion for church planting. And he says all the way from Jerusalem, where it all started, right round to Illyricum, which is basically all of the eastern side of the Mediterranean, he's planted churches in every major city, in every uh, province of that land, but now he's done all that and he needs a new base from which to go over to Spain, which is his uh, kind of next ambition. I was going to say final, but uh, I'm sure that he would have kept going even longer. I'm lecturing at the moment in fact by the time you listen to this I will uh, be lecturing on mission and in particular on what's uh, been called the the five marks of mission and the first two of those are evangelism and nurture in other words is it the job of the church to win new converts or to mature existing ones? And the answer is yes. Yes, it's both. And I wonder how you think of St Paul. The thrusting evangelist. The church planter. The the man in this chapter who who isn't content to just go over where someone has already been. But who wants to break new ground for the kingdom of God. Or do we think of him primarily as a pastor and teacher writing all those letters to churches to help them grow up and at times, as we've said, confronting uh, bad behaviour? And again, the answer is yes, both. And Paul's concern is, Yes, it is to plant new churches, but it is also to see those churches grow to maturity, to see Christians grow to maturity. I'm in the pains of childbirth, says Paul in Galatians, until Christ is fully formed in you. But what comes over in this chapter is that desire to be a pioneer, I'm not interested in going to where the gospel has already been planted. There, there's enough of this world left that we need to keep on pressing forward and keep on going to new places. And you get a further insight, I think, in, into that passion of Paul's in those uh, middle chapters of Philippians. when we're, we're not looking back, we're pressing on to the new things which christ has got for us and i find uh, that a challenge to me personally as i've just retired what what does retirement mean actually in the kingdom of god And, and paul never lost that thrust to press on to do new things to go to new places and that's a challenge not just to me but also i think to a church where so often the motto is as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. So I wonder how this chapter has challenged you. What new things do you think God has got for you to do, however much you've already done? Next week, you'll be thrilled to hear, is the final session and chapter 16. uh, It might only be a list of names, but there's going to be some nice surprises for us there as we come to Romans 16. Talk to you then.